Everybody want to receive something tonight? Alrighty. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, verse 36, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. But a key verse for tonight is going to be verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Let's go over at John. John 13. John 13. Everybody give me a good donkey clear the throat. <clears throat> Let's try that again on, on three. One, two, three. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's usually right when dad's like about to get really serious in the message is when donkey does that. Like, <clears throat> and then you can't even hear what he's about to say. It was like the, the punchline for the, the whole sermon. And then donkey, he's so loud, he covers pastor's, uh, pastor's voice up. <clears throat> and what did he say? Well, <laughs> amen. Well, John 13, verse 34. We like to have fun in church. Can I get Amen. Can I get a Presbyterian cough? And can I get a Baptist nod? Thank you. All right. <laughs> John 13. You know, when people come and come to Corey, they must think we're crazy. But that's okay. Because we like to have a good time. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Isn't that sweet? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. In verse 35 key verse, but this they will all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice that by this they will all know you are my disciples or you're my followers if you have love for one another. Amen? So if you're taking notes tonight, uh, this is going to be really part two of what we talked about last week. What is a Christian? Stop trying, just be one. What is a Christian? Stop trying, just be one. And uh, I'm going to give you a quick recap of last week, so uh, everybody knows kind of where we are, if you weren't here last week, to prepare us for what we're going to talk about this week. So first of all, we talked about what is a Christian, and first of all, what does the word Christian mean? And we talked about this some last week, but the word Christian is only mentioned three times in the Bible. And the first time it's mentioned in Acts 11, 26 through 27. And uh, we're not going to read it there, but it's talked about the first time they called them Christians was in Antioch. That's the first time they actually used that term, Christians. So the word Christian means to be Christ-like or a follower of Christ. And we also know, not only does it mean that, but the word Christ means the anointed one. And so when they use the word Christian, they, me they meant to... Uh, Imply that these followers of Jesus or followers of Christ were just like Jesus. And they were anointed just like Jesus because they had the same spirit that dwelt on Jesus was on these first early disciples or early believers. That's why they called them Christians because they were anointed ones. 
They weren't the anointed one, but they had the same power and same spirit that Jesus had on them. Can I get amen? So that's why they called them Christians, because they were small Christ. They were small anointed ones who walked with the same power, with the same authority that Jesus walked with, because they had the same spirit that Jesus has. How many know you have the same spirit dwelling on the inside of you that dwelled in Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit? So that's why you are a Christian, because the spirit of Christ dwells in you. So to be a Christian is to be Christ-like, or a follower of Christ, or an or a anointed one. We talked about this. We're not going to go over everything we said, but we talked about the difference between what the world or the culture thinks a Christian is and what the Bible actually says a Christian is and how they are two completely different things. Isn't that right? They are two completely different things from what the world and the culture says a Christian is and what the Word says a Christian is. And that's why there's so much disconnect. That's why when people hear the word, hey, do you want to be a Christian? You want to know about Jesus? You know, you want to come to my church? They are turned off immediately because they met a lot of Christians who don't line up with what the Bible says a true Christian is. And some of the things we talked about, uh, the attitudes that people have, because a lot of Christians, we talked about this last week, are mean, judgmental, no fun, boring, socially awkward, all of the above. And so when they see a Christian or they hear the word Christian, that's the first thing they think of and they say, why would I want to be like you? You're having no fun. You're legalistic. You're mean to everyone. You're judgmental. You're nothing like Christ who was in the Bible. The word Christian means you're supposed to be like Christ, but a lot of his followers are nothing like him. That's why they turn off people to Jesus and coming to church and getting involved and accepting Christ because they see Christians who don't act anything like him, do they? So we talked about that's what the culture says. So that's why we get so much attitude usually if you're trying to share your faith with people, especially the older you get at your workplace or at college or at your uh, middle school or high school. Sometimes you get uh, people meeting you harshly when you talk about being a Christian or being Christ-like is because they already have these preconceived ideas which the movies the books, TV shows, and everything, they always paint the Christian out to be that kind of person. The nerdy, no fun, angry, judgmental, holding up signs that say, we hate, you know, gay people. You know, always the person who's socially awkward, always the Debbie Downer at school, always the people as woe as me, you know, I hate everyone, I just can't wait till I get to heaven, type of person, which is nothing like Christ. So, First of all, we, we said last week is being a Christian is who you are. It's not what you do. Very important point. Being a Christian is who you are. It's not what you do. We talked about this last week that God's ultimate goal is not to make you change your external behavior, but to give you an internal heart transformation. He's not into external behavior modification. He's into internal heart transformation. That's what God's into, and that's the way God changes you. And notice, if he changes your heart, your actions will change, but we don't change our actions so we can be saved. We can't do enough to earn God's salvation. We have to receive what he's done for us. So being a Christian is not who, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are and accepting what he's done for you. We talked about this last week. A Christian lives from the inside out. 
The world tries to change people from the outside in. They try to change their behavior, but they wonder why they still are struggling and addicted and they have the same thing and they can't get free of it because they're trying to change their outward person and the real problem is on the inside. You got to change the inside of the person. You got to change the heart of the person to really change them and that's the way that God changes you from the inside out. Being a Christian is about being, not doing. Being a Christian is about being and not doing. I heard somebody say, being a Christian is not trying to be somebody you're not. It's becoming who you already are. I could have got an amen or a grunt or anything on that one. Being a Christian, let me repeat that. You going to take notes this time or I ain't going to repeat it? Being a Christian is not trying to be something you're not. It's becoming who you already are. And notice that the more you get in the Word, the more you spend time with God, you understand who you already are and who He's made you to be when He came on the inside of you. And number two we talked about, we talked about some very simplistic things last week. We took it back to the ABCs of how you get saved, how do you accept Christ. And so we talked last week, how do you become a Christian? And we said it's very easy. That's why so many people miss it, especially super educated people or people that think they got it all together. They miss the simplicity of the gospel because it can't be that easy. What do I got to do? All you have to do, it says, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died for you and took your place and you receive him. That's how easy it is. You got to believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and then God comes on the inside of you to dwell and you are saved. And number three, we talked about last week is Jesus' priority in coming is not so he could just make Christians or just religious people, but he can make you God's child. Are you here tonight? I said, people like to say Christian, but God's not cut up in the word Christian. It's all other religions try to, they, they have to have a name for us somehow, so they group us in with all the rest of the false religions because they want to make us on an equal basis like all roads lead to God. No, all roads do not lead to God. There's one road that leads to God, and it's through Jesus and Jesus only. And so, Jesus' priority was not coming to start a religion but so you could be in relationship with your Father God. That was his priority. Not so you could be religious. Or not so you could check your Facebook that you're a Christian. No, his, his reason in coming was he could restore relationship with you and your Father God. And that you could be God's child again. We talked about this last week. Everybody is not God's child. It's politically correct to say that, but, you, but it's not true. When we sinned, we became children of the devil. That's what the word says. People don't like saying that, but if you are not saved, if you have not accepted Jesus, you are a child of the devil. And until you accept Jesus, then you become a child of God. But before that, you are separated from God, and you are not a part of God's family. He wants you to be a part of his family. He, he died for you so you could be a part of his family, but until you accept his son, then you become a part of his family. So, God, so Jesus' ultimate goal in coming was not so you could just be a Christian, but so you could be God's child. Amen. Would you get anything so far in the recap? Let's look at Ezekiel 36. And you know you can put word on it if you can get something out of Ezekiel. And Sue, I'm not going to dry bones, but we could read that just for fun. The prophecy about the dry bones in verse 37. Or chapter 37, dry bones. And know that scripture was not written about Hoss. 
It was written about something else a long time ago. But verse or chapter 37 is about dry bones. We're not going to go into that. But you've got to realize uh, Ezekiel was a prophet, and so a lot of his writings are prophetic, and sometimes they always don't make sense to the natural person because he's speaking prophetically, and a lot of times he's using word pictures about what's going to happen in the future. And so in verse or chapter 36 of Ezekiel, and we're going to start in verse 25. Everybody there? Ezekiel 36, 25. And this is Ezekiel prophesying about what happens when we accept Jesus into our heart. He was prophesying this years before Jesus would come and years before the Holy Spirit would come and be able to change us from the inside out. And so he prophesies this in Ezekiel 36, 25. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And verse 26 and 27 are key verses. Notice, he's speaking about this is what happens when you accept Christ into your life. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. That's the Holy Spirit that comes to live on the inside of you. Notice this, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes or my commandments and you will keep my judgments and do them. But notice that in verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. You guys here tonight? You guys ready to receive something tonight? So that's what happens when you accept Jesus into your life. He comes in and he gives you a new heart. First of all, he gives you a new heart on the inside. You, you become alive on the inside. Your spirit comes alive and you have a new heart or a new spirit. But not only does he do that, he sends the Holy Spirit to come dwell in your spirit. So you have God that lives on the inside of you. Do you know that tonight? When you accept Jesus, his spirit dwells on the inside of you. And his spirit is there to help you do everything he's called you to do. He didn't leave you alone. And you know, every commandment that he's told you to do, that's what the spirit of God is there for because the spirit of God enables you. It gives you the ability and the desire to do what God has called you to do and what God has told you to do. He doesn't say, you just do it by yourself. Go for it. Try to figure it out. No, he sends his spirit to give you the ability to do what he called you to do. So any Christian that says, I can't do what the Bible says I can do, you are a liar. Because the Spirit of God was sent so you could do what the Word of God says you could do. It's not your strength, but it's the Spirit of God that dwells in you. The Word of God says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. By my Spirit. Okay, Bible Venture Week. But the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you and notice this, when you accept Jesus, you get a new heart, you get a new spirit, but you get new desires. You get new desires. I'm not saying you don't always obey those new desires, but you have new desires. How many know what I'm saying? You want to do the right thing. Now, you still have some time to renew your mind to what the Word of God says, but you want to do the right thing now. How many know once you're born again, you have a desire to do what's right now because you have new desires because the Spirit of God is always going to lead you into righteousness. And like I said, that doesn't mean you're always going to do the right thing, but your heart is going to be in the right place. And so 
you have a new heart and you have new desires. Now, let's look over at Matthew 22. You guys get anything so far? We're just getting started here. Good. Matthew 22. So, we talked about this. Being a Christian is not what you do. It's who you are. And we realize that we don't live from the outside in. We live from the inside out. And God has changed your heart. He's changed your desires. And this is what the question a lot of people ask. Okay, well, it's not about what I do, so I don't have to do anything. No, it's about what he's done. And when you accept that, it changes you. And what, if he really changes you, it's going to eventually show up in your actions and what you do. Because it, if it eventually doesn't show up in your actions, then you really didn't have a heart change. If you say you're a Christian and eventually your behavior doesn't change and your desires don't change and, and none of your actions do change, then you are really not saved. And you did really not accept Jesus like you thought you did because your actions and behavior will change over time if it was real in you accepting Jesus. We realize we're not saved by our works, but we're saved for good works. Are you here? We realize our good works don't make us eligible for salvation, but once we are saved and changed and transformed, that new heart, new desire is going to motivate us to do something. It's going to motivate us to change. It's going to motivate us to want to do those good works that God has prepared beforehand. And really, it's so simple. And you know, we're not trying to make it complicated here. Preachers that make it complicated really don't know what they're talking about. Because the word says it's the simplicity of the gospel. Make it simple. Make it easy. We're not a professor up here trying to uh, trick you guys into thinking that we're awesome and all that with a bunch of bull that they have way know what they're talking about. But it's the simplicity gospel that's what's going to change you. And I put two things down here that really, or really, really you could sum it up to one thing, is... After you become a Christian and he changes your heart, he changes your desires, you become new, the one main thing that should come out in your words, in your actions, in the way you live, and people should say about you is that you're a person of love. Because the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, and we're going to read this later in Romans 5, but he's put the love of God on the inside of you. And in John, we're going to read this later too, and we read it earlier, it says, they will know you are mine by your love. Notice that. There's one thing that this world is supposed to know believers in Jesus for, Christians for. It's not their Facebook. It's not their Christian bumper stickers. It's not their Christian T-shirt. It's not their hate signs. It's not them down at IUS telling everybody they're going to hell. It's not their big Bibles. It's none of that. They will know you are a Christian by your love. By the way you talk, by the way you walk, by the way you live, that's what they will know you're a Christian by. Not by your clothing. Not by, the, not by the way you tie your shoes, not by your WWJD bracelet. They will know you're a Christian by your love. And realize this. Okay, 
God is not judging you from the outside, your external actions, but people are. See, I told you the other half last week, but this is the, this is the other half of the message. People don't know you on the inside. They just know the way you live and the way you talk and the way you act. So they don't have the ability to look on the inside of you and see if you're a believer or not. They will judge you by your love or lack of love. So they will only know you're a Christian by your love. And the sad thing is a lot of people don't look anything like that at their school, at their job, with their friends. Nobody would even know that they were a Christian because love is nowhere near the way they act, the way they talk, or anything they do in their life. And Jesus said the only way they're going to know you're a Christian is by your love. That's the only way they're going to know. Not because you invited them to church. There's a lot of people that go to church that ain't even saved, so that's not going to do anything for you. Um, But the only way they're going to know you're a Christian is by your love. So, first of all, it says, what are the two greatest commandments in Matthew 22 here? And notice, they're both about love. One thing you need to know, the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Covenant, there was law after law after law after commandment after don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And, and thank God for Jesus who simplified everything and said, if you walk in love, you'll fulfill all of it. Are you here tonight? Don't be going over the Ten Commandments every day and all the rest of the laws under the Old Covenant and trying to do them. No, if you walk in love, you will fulfill everything. If you walk in love, you won't murder your friend. If you walk in love, you won't steal from your friend. Hello. (laughs) If you walk in love, you'll not take God's name in vain. Hello, somebody. So if we, if we walk in love, he simplified it. Isn't that, isn't that nice of him to take all the 600 and something laws and commandments there were and just put them into two and just say, love God and love people. And if you do that, you've got it under control. And notice he's saying, you don't have to do this in your own strength. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to help you do it. So really the simplicity of the Christian life is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others it's that simple love God and love others and notice the rest of your Christian life will flow out of that but first of all I want to talk about something here let's turn over to 1 John 4 1 John 4 you guys understand what I'm saying tonight All right. First John 4 So really, the Christian life can be summed up to a life of love. Because they only know you're a Christian by your love. (laughs) That's the only way they're going to know. But let's see the priority that the way that God has put it in the Word is, first of all, to love God first. That's the first priority, is to love God first. And we're going to show you tonight there's a reason why he said to love him first because all the rest of our love will flow out of that love. 
and not vice versa because if you get it out of order, then uh, you're going to be frustrated. And so number one, the Christian life is a life loving God. And notice it says, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You know, the, the core of you is your spirit and your soul. That is the real you on the inside. You live in a body, you have a spirit, and you have a soul. And notice God says he wants you to love him with all your spirit and all your soul, the core of you. Why? Because out of the core of you will flow the rest of your life. It says in Proverbs... Guard your heart or guard your inward man above all else because out of it will flow the issues of life. And so he says, I want you to love me not just with your spirit but with your soul. That means your mind. How do you love God with your mind? That means you think about him. You think about his word with your emotions. You run your emotions through him. Hello, somebody. With your will. How do you, how do you love God with your will? You saying, God, not my will, but your will. When I want to do something else, God, not my will, but your will. And that's not always easy. Hello, somebody. And so, loving God has to come from the inside of you, from your, your spiritual core, and out of it will flow everything else. But notice this, God wants you to love him first because out of it will flow everything else. And Revelations, it talks about, uh, Jesus speaking to a church, and it says, you have left your first love. And that's how the church got off track, because they left what was supposed to be a priority in their life, which was Jesus. He was supposed to be their first love in the place of preeminence. Understand this. If you put God first, the rest of your life will be in order. Are you here? If you put God first in your life, and love him first, everything in your life will be in order. But let me say this. If he's not first, everything in your life is out of order. I don't care how you look on the outside or how you talk, how you act. If he's not first and you don't love him first, everything in your life is out of order. But if he's first, everything in your life is in order. That's how important it is to put God first in your life and to love him first. You know, God's love for us is different than human love. We've got to understand that. There's different kind of loves talked about in the Bible. There's talk about a friendship love. There's talking about a sexual love between a husband and a wife. But then there's talk, talked about a God kind of love, which is called agape, which is an unconditional love that human beings know nothing about agape love because it's not a human kind of love. This is what agape love. Agape love is unconditional. Agape love is perfect. This is the God kind of love. Agape love doesn't have stipulations. It doesn't say, if you do this, I will love you. No, it just says, I love you no matter what. That's what kind of love that God has for you. You got to realize that, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing bad you can do that make God love you less. Are you here this evening? You need to realize that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. If you, if you bump up your church attendance, God's not going to love you more. But why? Because he already loves you perfectly and completely already. There's nothing bad you can do next week that make, is going to make God love you less. Why? Because he loves you unconditionally and perfectly already. And that's never going to change. 
And that's called agape. That's the God kind of love. And notice he says, I want you to love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And other, other verses say your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But realize this. You will only love God to the proportion of how much you know he loves you. Are you here this evening? You will only love God to the proportion of how much you know he loves you. In 1 John 4 and verse 19. Notice it says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Notice that. If God did not love us, we would have no ability to love him back. But since God has loved us and he's shown us that and sent in his son Jesus, now we have the ability to love him back. But notice what the priority is, that his love for you should always be first. Are you here this evening? I mean, the fire truck's coming because his preaching is so hot right now. It's on fire. I realize that. But your love for God will only come out. You need to get this, young people. It will only come out of your acknowledgement or knowledge of how much he loves you. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13 and I wanted to read this because a lot of times we, we read this like well this is the love chapter this is what you're supposed to do which is right but really this is talking about God's love towards us now we have the ability to have this kind of love because he's put it in us now Romans 5 says that he's put the love of God in us but want to read this with thinking about God's love towards you starting in verse 4 God's love suffers long and is kind. How many know that personally, that God's love has suffered long with you and has been kind to you? It, God's love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up. God's love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. God's love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, God's love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures all things, and God's love never fails. And notice, that's the kind of God, uh, love that God loves you with, but that's the kind of love that God has now put in you by His Spirit that you can love others with. And so, our priority in the Christian life should be to love God first but out of that it's going to flow to love others but notice it's not about just your love for God but God's love for you that always has to be your priority because you're only going to love him to the extent of how much he know he loves you why because it says we love him only because he first loved us now let's look over at John 22 You guys get anything this evening? John 22. Or we're going to go John. Let's go back a few more pages. John 13. My bad. John 13. They know John 22. 
In my Bible, there is. I got the extended version. Unrated, uncut. John 22. Man. What is going on out there, Hoss? What did you do? Sounds like Starlight's on fire or something. How many fire trucks got to go by? Goodness. Like I said, this message is so on fire that they're coming to put it out. So, John 13, verse 34. says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you you also have love for one another verse 35 by this they will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another so notice that the Christian life can be summed up to love God love others but notice if you have truly been loved by God your natural response is going to be to love others when I see Christians listen what I'm about to say right here when I see Christians or you see Christians or yourself not walking in love, you see that that Christian really doesn't know how much God loves them. Or it's been a long time since they really experienced or know how much God loves them. Because if they're not walking in love, then they forgot somewhere down the road how much God loves them. Because when you have a fresh revelation of that every day, it will be easy to walk in love with others. Because you remember how God put up with you and you can put up with others. You remember how God loves you unconditionally and perfectly and completely with all your flaws and failures. You can love others in the same way because he put that love on the inside of you. And so, thank you. <laughs> so number two is to love others. Realize this, when you get around somebody, you'll start to have the same desires as them and the same you'll love the same things they love. When you spend time with God, you will love what God loves, and that's others. So when we don't treat each other with the love of God, just tells me and the rest of us we haven't been with God recently. Because if we were with God, we would love what he loves. He would put that desire on the inside of you. I don't know if you're getting anything this evening, but I am. I'm here every Thursday at 8 o'clock. And... When we love others, what happened? Well, I mean, I just preached at 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. but um, <laughs> When we love God and, and we love others, that shows the world that we are true believers in him. You know, uh, let's look over in Romans 5 real quick. We're running some scriptures. Romans 5. Romans 5 it says in Romans 5 5 now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us notice that the love of God has been poured out into your hearts by the Holy Spirit and what kind of love is that that's agape love that's the God kind of love not natural love so when you tell me, or I tell myself this, because I've been there, that you cannot love somebody, you are lying. Because you have 
the same kind of love that God has on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. You're just not choosing to obey it. You're not choosing to yield to the love that's on the inside of you because you have that unconditional agape love on the inside of you to love others. And realize some, well, really not some people, majority of people you meet, you're going to have to love them into Christ. Not beat them into Christ, not shove them into Christ, not belittle them into Christ, not judge them into Christ. But what's going to bring them to Jesus is your love for them. Why? Because the only Jesus that they're going to see is through you. (laughs) And if they see you loving them unconditionally, they say, I want to meet the God that has changed you like that. So the only Jesus they will see is the only one that's coming through you, the love or lack of love that you're showing. So if you're judgmental and mean and angry and bitter and not patient with others, that's what they're going to think that the God you serve is like. Couple stares, couple grunts, and an oh me. Well, Brother Hagin said, if you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> Let's look over at First John. Goodness. I'm, I'm looking out the door. We got to figure out what's going on here. You can go to 1 John 4. Starlight's burning down or something, Hoss. It's ridiculous. That's like the 10th fire truck that's going it's going towards well I know what it is the chicken house you know if Tanner's cooking in there it's dangerous back there it's it's heading that direction it's either going to starlight or the chicken house and if Tanner was cooking tonight then hopefully it wasn't the chicken house went up in flames this evening but goodness wow Haas Pray for the peace of starlight right now. Get on your face and cry out. Man, God help the chicken house. God help starlight and Borden right now in Jesus' name. Hopefully it wasn't Borden High School. All right, are we over here? What happened? What kind of jokes? Well, come on, Cone. First John 4 and verse 7. You guys there? Are you guys having a good time this evening? All right. We've had a lot of fire truck distractions this evening. Has anyone seen those? I don't know what they are, but like every morning I've ran into them like 10 different times. There's like these big trucks with a big old alien looking craft on the back of it and there's like three police cars in front and three police cars behind has anyone seen that windmills okay where are they taking those hmm see I'm scared I want to follow them but there's too many police officers by that I just want to know for the record because it's like what are they trying to hide from me with all them police cars trying to get me out of the way of this truck for some reason? But them windmills. 
It's a windmill spirit. I knew it was something like that. 1 John 4, verse 7. Everybody there? It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So realize that when you don't walk in love, people are looking at you and say, well, you really don't know God. Because if you knew God and God is love, that love would be coming through you. Thank you. In verse 9, it says, in this love, the love of God was manifested that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, that not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, notice what's first, God's love for us, we also ought to love one another. And that's the same thing that Jesus said in John 13. Since I have loved you, now you can love others. And notice when you get that out of balance or out of order that's when your love becomes an issue because a lot of us in here or even growing up we have loved people because we thought that if I love people then God will love me that's not true you're out of order you got your priorities messed up and that's why you're so frustrated with your love because you're trying to love people so God will love you but no God loves you that's why you can love others now and his love for you is perfect it's unconditional just like your love for God is based on his love for you, you will only love others to the proportion of the knowledge that God loves you. You know, the first commandment is easier than the second one, isn't it? Okay, how many know it's, it's a lot easier to love a God that loves you unconditionally, who is perfect and holy and is for you, than to love imperfect people? Isn't that true? that are not perfect, that are annoying. Hello, somebody. They get on your nerves. It's a lot harder to love them than to love God. It's, you two stop looking at each other. Come on. Feel the love. Come on. Okay. Well, you got a heart on your shirt. You should be loving somebody. You love Africa. You need to love Madison Mike, too. So, it says in the Word of God, in the Gospels, if you love the people who love you, big whoop, pretty much. That's my translation. Who cares? Any person, saved or unsaved, can love the people that love them. Isn't that true? It's easy to love somebody who loves you and takes care of you and is nice to you. But notice, real followers of Jesus love people that don't love them, don't like them, talk bad about them. That's why your human love is insufficient of that. That's why you have to have God's love, which he's given you, and yield to that love that he's put on the inside of you. Are you guys picking up what I'm laying down this evening? And so it says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's read in verse 20 here. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. Wow. Strong talk. He is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? 
verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother also. So realize that when people see you out in public, because remember, we talked about this last week, um, your life is not lived in these four walls at church. Okay? Your pulpit is not in these four walls at church. Your life is to be lived out there. So I'm not even talking about you walking in love with each other in here. That's easy. You're on your best behavior at church anyways. I'm talking about out there when people know you and and know what you stand for and you say you love God, if you don't show love to others, they say you're a liar. And that's what the Bible says you are. You're a liar. Because if you really love God and God's love has transformed you, you are going to love others. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it hurts, you're going to yield to that love that's on the inside of you. Pastor Nancy said something uh, a couple weeks ago. She said, the Christian life is a yielding life. And whatever you yield to, that's what comes into your life. So you can choose to yield to hate if you want to. Or you can choose to yield to the love of God that's on the inside of you that the Holy Spirit has put there. It's just a choice. Are you with me this evening? So every time we choose to walk in hate, walk in jealousy, treat others harshly, treat others unkind, we are choosing to yield to that and not the love that's on the inside of us. Thank you. Thank you. So realize it's not about all these other things that we're thinking. It's a choice. I know some of you don't want to hear that. You just want to say, well, you know, people, there's some people that are just nicer than I am, and they just, they're loving people, and that's just not my personality. I'm just not like that. Well, no, you are like that because the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, and he's putting your love there. You are just choosing not to walk in the love that's on the inside of you. I didn't know it was going to be Real Talk Thursday, but we just, we dabbled into it. What'd you say? Okay, that's, I've been trying to get in between somebody's makeup all night. Thank you, I finally got between you and your makeup. First, first John, yeah, there's other issues we got to deal with about him wearing makeup, but, hey, he's just trying to be relevant. That's it. He's just trying to be hip. Kids, kids love bass players that wear makeup. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, he'll, he's going to try out for the Red Hot Chili Peppers next week, I guess. Isn't that right? Well, Lincoln Park has some openings, I guess, too. First John 4. We're going to read it from the message. Oh, you didn't laugh at Lincoln Park? The people that didn't laugh are people that actually like them, and I'm sorry for you for liking them. First John 4 good because you're spiritual and the rest of you are not. <laughs> First John 4. I'm just naming lame alt-rock groups like Red Hot Chili Pe- Peppers, Linkin Park, Nickelback, all the rest of them. But, you know, stuff they play on Christian radio. Like, I'm not going to go down that trail. I'm going to offend too many people. I offended some people. I know, I know last week I offended some people when I said, you're lame if you listen to 88.5 and 88.9 because that ain't real music. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to tell the truth. First John. Where is John? He's in here, isn't he? First John. 
where what happened? Did somebody tear out first John? I got it. First John four and verse seven. You guys listening? All right, well listen up because I'm gonna read it from the message Bible. So if you don't have it, just perk up your ears. Give me a little hoss wiggle of the ears, just so you can hear what I'm saying. Make sure they're nice and long. Oh, long ears. 1 John 4, and verse 7 in the message, it says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love does not know the first thing about God because God is love. So you cannot know him if you don't know love. Hello, somebody. Was the message just preaching? Okay. Take up an offering for you. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but God loved us and sent his son a sacrifice to clear away our sins that we've done to our relationship with God. Thank you, Doug. My dear friends, if God loved us like this, notice this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. Now let's jump down to verse 17 in the message. It says, God is love. When we take up a permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free on the day of judgment. Our standing in the world is identical to Christ. There is no room in love for fear, but well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is not one yetly formed in love. Now, really take in these last couple verses. We, though, are going to love and be loved. First we were loved, and now we love. He loved us first. Welcome. If anyone boasts, I'm about to say a thing. I'm about to testify. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. Say liar. He is a liar. If he won't, now hear me now. See, I got, yeah, I'm going to get the preacher's voice. Now hear me now. Ha. I said, if he won't love the person he can't see, mm-hmm, how can he love the God he can't see? Let me say that one more time. Sister Buckingham going to shout on this one. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? Realize, all your unsaved friends, that is the question they're throwing out to you every day of your life. If you can't love us that you can see, how, do, how can you say you love God that you can't see? You're a liar. That's the truth, the truth. It's a true story. Are you guys getting anything this evening? Man, 
It said the command, and I just thought of the duck commander from Duck Dynasty. I don't know if anybody ever seen Duck Dynasty, but Duck Dynasty is right. I just want to add on top of this that you need to watch Duck Dynasty during the next week, and you're going to receive extra credit in heaven. Okay? All right? That's a commandment. Remember, what did last week I say at the end of service? I said, extra credit in heaven and to be on God's good side, to be right with heaven, you're going to have to love Big Red and you're going to have to love the Indiana Hoosiers. Okay? That was a commandment I threw out there last week. Okay? And what did I say? If you got a problem with Big Red, not you, there's plenty of other good churches in this community that are not right. They're like other people. Okay? So this week... This week, I'm going to leave you with some parting words. You need to watch Duck Dynasty because Duck Dynasty guys are right. The Duck Commander. Because why? They love, they love God, first of all. Hey, they did number one already. They love their country. Isn't that right? Because this is America, right? It's America. Number one in the world. Number one. Hey, number three, what do they love? Sweet tea. Y'all didn't hear me. They love sweet tea. Why? Because they're Americans. They're true Americans. They love America. They don't love terrorists. That's why they drink sweet tea. They don't like terrorists. God loves terrorists, but real Americans don't like terrorists. Okay. That's not right. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, okay, they love sweet tea. And number four, they, they, they do love beers and they do love food, but they love their guns. That's it. Come on. He got free on that one. Hey, what's, what's, what's the gun amendment? Is that the Second Amendment? They love their Second Amendment rights. That's right. And ain't nobody going to take it away either. All right. He just got free. All right, that's all free right there. I told you, if people come to our service, they're going to think we are just out of our minds, which we are. We have the mind of Christ. Okay, I, I didn't mean to preach. Okay. Because you don't need your mind anymore. Isn't that right? Testify. Because I got the mind of Christ. Okay. All right. Well, I traded my mind for his. Okay. I've been around church a long time. I could preach on about anything. So, Duck Commander, Big Red, whatever. It all comes back to the Word. But, hey, if you watch Duck Dynasty, at the end of every episode, they pray at the table. And notice they all eat dinner together at their table because they're right. Unity, covenant. Okay. So, (laughs) I told you, you could get all kinds of free stuff here. All right. (laughs) I don't know if I can read this. So, what did we learn from? (laughs) I can think about some of you, especially you middle schoolers, probably go home and last week you told your parents, what did they teach you? Uh, Well, he's talking about what is a Christian and. We talked about drinking Big Red and Indiana Hoosiers. What did you talk about this week? Duck Dynasty and America. Why? Because this is a Christian nation. You better believe it. That's it. One nation under God. All right. I get off that. Divided we fall. But united we stand. That's it. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) If we won't love the person he can't see, how can he love the God he can't see? He can't because he's a liar. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Y'all hear me? 
is blunt. He trying to talk some real talk to you. It says, loving God includes loving people. You got to love both. Y'all missed a, a moment to shout right there. It says, loving God includes loving people. You got to love both. Why? Because if you don't, you're a liar. Let's look at one final verse here. Let's, let's look over at John 13. John 13. What? Well, thank you, Suki. I don't know if you get anything. You're just getting good old-fashioned common sense wisdom. Just what Americans need, what Hoosiers need. But I tell you what, let me say you one more thing. Some wisdom. You ready for this wisdom? I get all kinds of good old country wisdom. Paul Edward would back me up on all this. We love America, but if it comes between America and Hoosier Nation, guess who we're going with? Who's your nation? We ain't going with America. We're going with who? We're going to secede the union, and we're going to start our own country. Who's your nation? Okay. What? <laughs> That's right. Some of you didn't say, some of you said America, not who's your nation. Okay. John 13, and uh, we're going to read here in verse 34 in the message. He says, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone, notice this, this is how everyone in the world will recognize that you are my disciples or that you are real Christians, real believers, when they see the love you have for each other. Can I get an amen? Would you guys get anything this evening? You can close your Bibles up here. Stand up, 2012. So realize the Christian life is a simple life, and it's all about loving God, and it's all about loving others. And you will only love God and love others to the proportion that you realize God loves you. Tank, where you at, Tank? Come up here, Tank. Come up here, Bishop. Tank's getting surgery tomorrow on your leg. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to pray for Tank. Everybody going to get in agreement with us here? He's going to have surgery tomorrow on his leg. Just pray the blessing over surgery and safety and all the above. You want to pray? Okay. Yes, sir. Father, we just lift up Tank to you right now. We thank you, Father God, for the peace of God that passes all under.